Hi there, my name is Emma Edelman, and you're listening to Tangible Grace, my story of hope. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of my new podcast, Tangible Grace. This is my story of hope through struggles, through adversity, um, and just hopefully a message that no matter what you're going through, God is always there and He will see you through it. It's an incredible promise to hold on to, and hopefully my story will show how that is absolutely true. This has been a project that has been a long time in the making, and I'm really excited to finally get it on its feet. I do want to give you guys a little bit of information about how this is going to work, at least in my mind. (laughs) This is how it's going to work, um, and what you can expect. So basically, um, it won't be too many episodes, but Each episode will kind of focus on a period of time in my life and things that um, I went through, whether good or bad, or somewhere in between, and uh, how God worked through me, how God strengthened me, how God carried me, whatever that looks like in that particular season. Um, It's just a, a... positive message of, of what God can do in someone's life. Um, I don't want the episodes to be too long, so hopefully like no longer than 30 to 45 minutes tops. And it is just going to be me talking. Uh, I've talked to some people, got some advice, thoughts, etc. on how to do this. The first thing I was struggling with was whether or not to actually do it in chronological order, simply because... I have a lot of stories within my story, and I thought it would be kind of cool if, like, you know, one episode would be shorter and would just be a specific story about something that happened or whatever, as opposed to actually going in chronological order, like, in this this season or these years or whatever. However, um, someone pointed out to me that if they if you don't know my entire story, then it probably does make more sense to just follow it from the beginning to understand where I came from, what I went through, and where I'm at now. So that's the plan, is to go chronologically. And I'll incorporate those little stories in, I hope, uh, here or there. Uh, the other thing is, we kind of went back and forth talking about whether or not to do it as an interview style, as in someone's actually asking me questions or, you know, prompting me. You probably wouldn't hear them, but it would, you know, hopefully keep the excitement level up, I guess. (laughs) Um, The other option was to actually have it more of like a, not a talk show, but have someone on air with me, on the podcast with me and chatting back and forth about things. And both of those sound great and wonderful, but I also did not want to ask someone to commit their time because I knew this was going to be a lengthy project, not crazy long, but you know, it would take some time and I didn't want to ask anyone to have to commit to that. Um, and so I have taken the reins and gone with the executive decision of just chatting myself, um, 
The downside to that is that I often tend to ramble or get off book or whatever, but I'm going to try really hard to stay. I have an outline for each episode. I'm going to try and stay on point so that um, I don't have you here for, you know, hours at a time. But uh, I did want to just let you guys know that's kind of the format that we're heading in. And, you know, who knows? Maybe by episode whatever, I'll change my mind and we'll do something different. But for right now, that's how we're going to start. The other thing that I want you guys to know is that, first of all, uh, if at any point during when you're listening to an episode, if you have a question or something um, that you think would be beneficial for me to answer for other people to hear, I'd love to either at the end or at some point do a Q&A episode with your questions and me answering them as best I can. So if you do happen to have a question or something that you want to, you know, just kind of have me talk about, um, go ahead and jot it down and then send me an email and the information on how to contact me will be in um, the notes of the podcast. And hopefully towards the end or at the end, I'll do a Q&A uh, episode with your questions, hopefully answered. The other thing that I wanted to do, and this is, this just came to me recently and I thought it would be really cool. You know, everybody has a story. I don't care what you've been through or haven't been through. Your story is unique to you. And you're, because you are a child of God, your story is important. You know, I've met many people along the way. Um, when I've shared my story in public and, and, you know, at different places and they'll come up to me afterwards or whatever and, you know, thank me and then say, you know, I, I don't have a story like that. Like my life is boring, you know, or, um, I've never done anything outrageous or, you know, I, no one would want to hear my story. Well, I tell you that's false because people need to hear the positive, good stories as well as those that have struggled. Um, because everybody is different and everybody's going through different things. And even if your life has just been peachy and you haven't, you know, stepped out of line and you felt good about yourself and, and your relationship with God and all that, people need to hear that as well, because that's a real thing too. And so what I would like to challenge you all to do is consider the possibility of sharing your story on this podcast. Now, I will put the disclaimer out that, you know, you would probably have just one episode to share your story or part of it that you think would be um, beneficial to people who listen. But I think it's really important that we all get the chance to share our stories. So if that's you uh, and you may not want to decide yet, you may want to wait until you've heard the rest of what I have to say. Um, but if that's you at any point, Again, go ahead and contact me and we can talk about it and figure out if there's a way to get your story on here once once mine is finished. I think that would be really cool. Um, you know, we all have a story of hope, whether, again, it's been a difficult journey or the best journey ever. Hope is it kind of just ties everything together. Because all of our hope and all of our trust has to be in God, no matter what we're, you know, no matter what's happening in our lives. And people need to hear that and so they can relate to whatever that is. 
Um, and I think that that would be really cool. All right. So I think I'm done blabbing for now. Again, I apologize if I do rainbow. Oh, I do want to say one thing. Because this is just me freely talking, uh, it's going to be very limited editing. Um, I do, I am aware that I do say things like, uh, or, you know, a lot. And I apologize for that. I'm going to try really hard not to. But at the same time, I want to keep it as natural and down to earth as possible. So hopefully you can forgive those little blunders and whatnot. Now, there may be a point where there is some editing required, and I'm sure we're going to add some fancy music or something. And uh, for that part, I'm grateful that a good friend approached me and asked if he could help with this process, and that is my friend John Avery. He is going to be my editor, um, and I'm really, I'm really excited about that. So shout out to him. Um, he's pretty cool. If you don't know him, you should get to know him. Um, so anyway, see, I just did it. Um, but just wanted to get that out there too. And one more thing, sorry. Now, see, this is what happens. I hadn't written this down. And so that's the problem. But throughout my story, while I want to give you guys as accurate a story as possible, there are a couple things you should know. First of all, because of things I've gone through, there has been some, I don't want to call it memory loss, more, more like memory shielding, I don't know what you would call it, to where there are some things that I have blocked from my brain. And as I talk, things usually come back and what have you. But if you have been a part of my story, which some of you will have been, and I say something that's not 100% how you remember it, I apologize, and I'm putting it out there right now. Uh, it's not my intention at all, but this is how I remember it, and it may not be 100% accurate, but it will be, you know, as close as I can possibly remember it. So... I just don't want anybody to be like, oh my gosh, that didn't, it didn't happen that way. It happened this way. You know, um, hopefully that won't be the case, but just in case, uh, there was a lot of drug use, um, in a short amount of time. And I'm pretty sure that also killed a lot of brain cells as far as memory goes. So that's another, another part of another piece of the puzzle, if you will, um, the second thing of three, the second thing is that while I am doing this in chronological order, I'm not going to be very date specific. I actually, this is my third time recording this episode because the first two times I try to use dates like years and months and stuff. And I get so confused. Like I am terrible at that stuff. Like it happened, but I will tell you it happened in 1999 and really it happened in 1996. And I'm like, wait, what? So there are some, some specific dates that need, that are important. And if they are relevant, then I will for sure share them. But for the most part, it's just going to be a period of my life. And <laughs> you'll see as I talk and as I share how that works, but it's just not going to be super specific to dates because I don't want to screw them up so bad that you're like, wait, but that, that couldn't have happened then because this, didn't happen and that happened and you know and I know there are people that will do that because I would be that person listening being like well you just said this but you also said that and that can't have happened at the same time so anyway you get my point hopefully the third thing is that um 
this is my story. Um, I feel very privileged and honored to be able to share it in this format. And I hope that, and I, I want to emphasize that my only purpose, my only reason for doing this is for the glory of God, because I believe that I would not be here today if it was not for him and his grace and his um, just incredible forgiveness that he bestows upon us as his children. Um, so it's my story. It's unique to me. There are people who are in my story. Um, however, unless they play a really relevant part, again, I'm probably not going to mention them specifically. I'm also not going to use this, the correct names unless it's like family, because that's different. But I feel like, you know, again, people can look at it different ways and I don't want to offend anybody. I haven't gotten permission from anybody to use their names in my story. I don't think, even though there will be parts that, that there are, you know, there are important pieces that you need to know um, that someone else was involved. I don't think names are, are necessary. Does that, I hope that makes sense. I think that's just a by, byproduct of my story. Um, and so there will be no real names used unless it's my family. I just need to. Even then, I may not even do that. But um, I just think, yeah, again, real names are just not important at this stage in the game. So, wow, that was a lot of, like, four-year info. That's what I have. I have what to expect and four-year info written on my uh, outline. So there you have it. You got it all. So let's get started because, um, we actually have to start at the beginning. I feel like my childhood, because it plays a really important part in my story for you to understand where I came from and to understand that what happened to me and what I went through later on in life could happen to anybody. And so it's not a, it's not defined by your childhood at all necessarily. And it certainly wasn't defined by my childhood. Um, so first and foremost, I was born and raised in England and I know I don't have an English accent. That is long gone. Um, I came to the United States when I was 14 and immediately went to high school. So I lost my accent like within months of being here because really in England, everyone thinks the American accent is cool. So in my mind, I thought, oh, great. When I go home to visit everyone, I'll have a really cool accent. Of course, then I realized that everyone over here in America thinks the British accent is cool. So whatever. There will still be words, and I'm sure you all will hear some. And I definitely have sayings and calling things by the wrong name still um, that are British. But uh, for the most part, you can tell I don't sound like I'm British. But I am by birth. I um, was born in a place called Bristol, England, which is in the southwest of England, um, not far from Wales. And then, um, I actually lived the last, I guess, six years or so just outside London before moving to the United States. I am an only child. Um, my parents, uh, it took them a while to have me and then they tried again for more children after me and it just wasn't meant to be. So 
they just have me and I was and probably am still spoiled. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. If you're an only child, you probably get that and understand that. Uh, I came from and had a very loving childhood, a very stable, normal childhood. Um, I was shy and still am to a point, unless you know me. Um, I kind of kept to myself. I was raised with good manners. Um, little children should be seen and not heard, all those kind of things. And so that kind of made me... I know that built into who I am today. When when I'm around new people or a large crowd, I'm usually the one that's kind of sitting off to the side just listening. Because unless I have something to really add to the group, I'm probably not going to say anything. Unless someone talks directly to me, obviously, that's different. Now, once I get to know you better, you know, and if we're really comfortable and whatnot, that's a whole different story. But initially, I'm I'm going to be that one that's kind of shy and introverted. Initially, um, I one of the most important things that you need to know for my entire story is that I was born into the Salvation Army. Um, for those of you that do not know, the Salvation Army is not just a charity or a disaster um, nonprofit agency. It is also a church. In fact, it is first and foremost a church. And um, my family is sixth generation. I'm the sixth generation. Um born into the Salvation Army, and so I was raised in the Salvation Army Church in England and then continued to attend the Salvation Army Church here in America. And actually, jumping way ahead, I actually work for one of the Salvation Army Churches here in Atlanta now and have done for many years. Um, you'll hear a lot more about that as my story progresses, but that's just a really important part because the Salvation Army is just a huge, huge part of my life, and I love it dearly, and um, the people who are involved with that are just wonderful, and um, definitely the Salvation Army is is plays a tremendous part in my relationship with God and how I came back to God um, later in life, and you'll hear more of that. Sorry, I'm just giving lots of stuff away, but anyway... So as a child, because I was an only child, obviously didn't have any siblings, um, I spent a lot of time just, you know, playing with my toys by myself. Um, I would teach my stuffed animals and my dolls at school. Like I would set them all up like they were at school and I would be the teacher. I would play board games, left hand against right hand, and I, somehow I always won <laughs> and things like that. Now, I don't want you guys to feel sorry for me. This is just, this is who I was and I loved it. And I also had friends, don't get me wrong. Like I wasn't a complete loner. Um, but obviously, you know, when I wasn't with my friends or at school or whatever at church, then at home, I, you know, I, I entertained myself, if you will, with all my different toys and whatnot. Um, throughout my childhood, my, my parents and I traveled a lot. We, um, living in England, it's just, you just have the, uh, blessing to be able to travel to so many countries without it costing a ton of money or taking too long to get there. So we traveled all over Europe. Um, I even went to Tunisia when I was little. I don't remember it. I was too small, but I was there. I promise there are pictures to prove it. Um, we traveled, you know, to Switzerland, France, um, Holland, 
Italy, all kinds of places. And that is just something that I cherish now being so far away. You know, you can't really just, well, you can't hop on a boat and go to France for a couple days. You'd have to fly a really long way and et cetera, et cetera. So pay a lot of money. So that's something that I cherish. Um, when I went to middle school in England, I kind of started coming out of my shell a little bit. I was, I was in elementary school. It was definitely, we call it primary school in England, but it's definitely one of the more shy kids, like I said. And then in middle school, kind of warmed up to, um, to kids and like became friendly with, with a bunch of, uh, kids. Um, it's also interesting to note that for my elementary school, I went to three different elementary schools. And for middle school, I was in the same middle school for four years. And I think that helped because I was with the same kids for four years. Um, I would walk or ride my bike to school. It wasn't very far from our house. And back then it was not, you know, not frowned upon for a child to be riding their bike to school. And then we would go to the park after school or we would go to the corner store and buy candy or whatever, magazines, I don't know. Uh, and things like that. And so I, you know, I became, um, I don't know that I was necessarily one of, one of the more popular kids, but I definitely was more popular than I had ever been. Um, and we would just spend hours, our little group of friends would spend hours just hanging out together after school and on the weekends. I was also very active in church. I was in uh, the children's choir, um, things like that. I used to go to um, youth nights and in all different youth programs. I was in the Brownies, which is kind of similar to, um, the Girl Scouts over here. So it was very active childhood. Um, obviously went to church every Sunday and Sunday school. I had everything I needed as a kid. Um, yes, I was spoiled. My parents, they didn't go overboard, but I, you know, I had everything that I needed. I didn't want for anything. Uh, and when I went to high school in England, it was a Christian high school where some of my church friends went and, um, I loved it. And I actually pretty soon after I started going there, I became one of the more popular kids and hung with the popular crowd. And I absolutely loved that school. And in England, you know, you wear uniforms throughout school. Uh, at least I used to, I don't know if you still do. Um, and I honestly think that was a good thing because there was never any competition necessarily on what you were wearing or what have you. Whereas here, you know, you had to be wearing the latest and greatest and all of that. Um, in England, I just, I like I said, I just really loved high school and high school in England is very different to high school over here in America. Um, the schedule is different. Like everything is different. Um, so I guess my story really begins outside of my childhood when, um, we came to America. So the first trip to America, our first trip to America was to Disney world and, and the beach in Florida. And that's just something that you do in England. You go to Disney world, you go to the beach, 
Um, that's a vacation that, you know, many people will save up for for a long time so that they can do that. My parents waited because they wanted to make sure I was the right age so I could truly appreciate Disney and remember it. And so uh, we had a fantastic vacation. And then my dad went on a tour. I don't recall how soon after. And this is, again, why I don't give out, why I'm not using specific dates. But my dad went on a tour with a band that he was in within the Salvation Army of the United States. And one of the stops was Atlanta, which I had never heard of. And he came back. And uh, I don't know. I've never really asked, but I don't know, like, how soon after he came back or whatever. He was offered a job in Atlanta, within the Salvation Army, um, within their music program. And I, from what I remember, and my parents will correct me if I'm wrong, although they can't correct me on here, so we're going to go with it. Uh, we went to America again, like the next year, or within the year that, that he had been offered the job, and they told me while we were there that he had been offered this job and kind of asked what I thought, and immediately I thought it was wonderful. What? We're going to move to America? Uh, yeah, let's do it. When can we start? Like, when can we come? Um, and I do remember that we went to a camp over here that's part of the Salvation Army, a very big camp, and I met a bunch of people there and became friends with a bunch of people. And so I already had friends here, even though they didn't all live in Atlanta, but, um, I'm trying to remember, see, this is where, <laughs> this is where it's sometimes bad if I'm just rambling. But, um, I do know that eventually, obviously my, my dad accepted the job offer and it was very exciting. We were back home in England and um, the process to get our visas to be able to come to the United States for him to work in the United States began. And we were told it would only take a couple of months. Like this was not a long process or shouldn't be. So we started telling people that and in England, um, my parents, you know, started making plans to rent out their home, things like that. Um, it it did drag on for a while, but then we got a call saying it was imminent, like it was going to happen at any time. So they rented out their house. They quit their jobs. I left school, my school. We had a big farewell party for me at my school, which at that point then it was kind of mixed emotions for me because I really loved my school. I loved my friends, the people there, you know, and it was a little bit daunting to move to another country, but at the same time it was exciting. So... Um, <clears throat> we decided to go ahead and come to America and this was over a Christmas break and the maximum amount of time you can enter America for on a vacation visa is three months. So we came, um, we stayed in a Salvation Army hotel while we were here and we kind of traveled around a bit. We went up and down, um, the East coast, we went to New York, New Jersey. We had friends there that we visited, Washington, D.C. Um, it was during the winter, so there's lots of snow, and it, it was great. It was a great trip. But after the three months, the visas still had not come through, and so we had to move back to England. And this was difficult because now my parents had taken me out of school for that whole time, but they knew they couldn't keep me out you know, longer because I was obviously missing out on my schooling. So I had to go back to the school that I had left, which was very awkward. 
and then we had to um, stay in another Salvation Army hotel or house for indefinitely until our visas came through. And in order to, to, you know, to be able to stay there, my parents worked, both worked there to help out. My dad helped with, um, landscaping and stuff. Uh, my mom helped in the office and, uh, basically we were living out of suitcases because we had packed up our entire house to move to America thinking it wouldn't take that long. Uh, and we had to live like that for about six more months. It wasn't until that summer that our visas finally came through and we moved to Atlanta. That process was uh, two years in the making. It took two years for that to happen from start to finish. And it was, as I said, incredibly difficult. It was very stressful, um, especially for my parents. You know, you're kind of in limbo. You're at the mercy of the government waiting for them to approve or deny or whatever it is they're going to do uh, and not really knowing where you're going to land. You know, you have a plan, but is that where you actually get to or does, does something else happen? But of course, um, we were, we had faith. We trusted God. We trusted the process um, and that he was a part of that and was in control of that. And although it did take a long time, um, in the end, the timing was perfect for us to move over to the United States. And so we did. And I will tell you that when we moved, it was 1991. That's when we actually came to the United States. So um, here we were living in the United States, and I had to start high school in the August when I got here. And my school in England, as I mentioned, was a private Christian school. There were maybe four or 500 students, tops. Um, I went to a public high school in America with more than 2,000 students. And I could not believe it. <laughs> you know, everything you see on the movies and what have you, this was a true American high school and I absolutely hated it. I didn't know anybody at the school. Um, it was so big. I felt like I was getting lost every day. I had to ride the school bus to and from school, which was incredibly foreign to me. Um, Although I did ride a bus to school in England, my high school, it was like a luxury coach compared to <laughs> the buses I had to ride over over here. I absolutely hated it. I would come home from school crying every day. I would cry in the morning before I had to leave. I know this just devastated my parents because it was out of their control. I mean, there was no other option than for me to go to that school at that time. So it took a while, but eventually I kind of bucked up and decided, okay... I'm going to make this work. I have to make this work. And so I just tolerated it. I made a few friends. Um, most of them were much older than me, but, um, I, I, you know, I just, I just kept going. I just struggled through it. Uh, there were a couple things that, that were, did help mostly was the fact that I was very involved in church in the Salvation Army and I had a ton of friends with church. And so even though school was awful, I knew that in the evenings or whatever I could see at, on the weekends, I could see my school friends. I mean, my church friends. And so 
Um, like I said, I just kind of tolerated it. I kept moving forward. And um, in the middle of, oh, another part, sorry, another part that was really difficult for me was that in school, the stuff that I was doing, like learning, I'd already learned in England like the year before. And the reason being, it was that uh, the British school system is, is actually 12 months ahead, or at least then was 12 months ahead of the American school system. So I was bored out of my mind because I had already done this stuff. And yes, I was getting decent grades because I had already done this stuff. But, you know, that didn't help. Like, it was just really boring. So during my... I was put into ninth grade because I was 14. And during my ninth grade year... Soon after Christmas, my parents were able to switch me over to a different school, um, a private Christian school that a lot of my friends at church went to, from the Salvation Army went to. And when you talk about going from one extreme to the other, this school was tiny. They had just been through a split. There were two churches that ran the school, and the churches had split, and most of the kids had gone to a different school, and then just a few remained at this one. So you're talking about now a K through 12th grade school that might have had between 100 and 200 kids. There were definitely no more than 50 in the high school. So it was a very small school. So it's like going from this giant beast of a school to this tiny, like, one-on-one with your teacher kind of thing, um, school, which I absolutely loved. And when they switched me to the private school, um, I guess I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but they actually put me up into 10th grade because they knew that what I had been doing at the public school was too easy, so they put me in 10th grade. So I actually completed 9th and 10th grade in the same year and then went into 11th grade when I was just 15 years old. Um, so that was really cool because then I was like a young 11th grader and loving it and what have you. So um, now in my 11th grade year, my... Salvation Army friends actually left the school. They, their parents were all pastors for the Salvation Army, and they they actually ended up going to a different school. So now my school shrunk even more, um, and I was left there um, still with friends that I knew. Uh, a few new people came, but it was even smaller than before, and so uh, that was really interesting. And honestly, that's where things started to go pear-shaped. That's when I started to experiment with um, alcohol and drugs and all of that stuff. And um, I guess that's where the beginning of um, the next season of my life really starts. And for that, I will leave that for the next episode. But I hope that this episode has given you just kind of an idea of what my childhood was like, um, the struggles we went through as a family to get to America. Um, but again, knowing that God was in control, trusting in him the whole time and, and believing that whatever was going to be was meant to be. Um, I will say that in 1993, we were able to get our green cards. So we became permanent residents just two years after moving to America. Um, which was pretty awesome. 
but yeah, so the next chapter is definitely uh, where things aren't quite as peachy and, and wonderful. Um, but I will share those in the next episode. Again, I really appreciate you all listening. Um, and I just, if I can, I'm going to leave you with my favorite verse um, each time because it's so poignant and so perfect and so right for my situation and for everybody's situation, no matter what it is, what you're going through. Um, and that is Philippians 4.13. And there are obviously different uh, translations of this verse. I prefer or love the um, message paraphrase that says, whatever I have, wherever I am, no matter what I'm going through, I can make it through anything in the one who made me who I am. Because that is true. Like, it doesn't matter what you're going through, where you're at in life, any of that stuff, as long as you trust in God, that's all that matters because he's going to be there for you no matter what. And sometimes we forget that. And my story will be definitely one that shows that it's easy sometimes to turn our backs and to walk away. But God never does that. And thank goodness he doesn't do that. Anyway, thank you all so much and look out for episode two coming soon. Take care. just want to give a shout out to Marty Michaels who provided our intro and outro music for us for each episode. Check him out at martymichaels.com. That's Marty, M-A-R-T-Y, Michaels, M-I-K-L-E-S.com. He is a, a dear friend and a phenomenal musician, and you should definitely check out his work. Uh, so thanks, Marty, for providing the music for us.